welcome back everybody um, to another Racing Matters podcast. We've had an extended break um, whilst we were launching uh, quite a lot of stuff to do with Racing League. And um, to be honest, uh, we didn't have a dearth of guests that were available during lockdown. Um, and whilst racing was coming back into action, we thought we'd settle down and get the league launched uh, properly, announce some deals, uh, announce some you know teams and all that stuff. And uh, now we're back to it. Um, still co-piloted by the youth of today's representative, Rebecca. Are you back Hello. in London? Are you back yes, in London? Yes, different background today. Back in London, was banished from my family home. Um, but it is kind of good to, back, to be back. But, you know, the weather's always nicer in Sussex. What's the London vibe since you've been back? How normal is it or not normal? Um, it's pretty normal, to be fair. Pretty busy, especially since, you know, the sun's been out. Um, everyone out and about. Not that many mask wearers, which is interesting. Um, yeah, there's definitely a kind of more relaxed, casual vibe to the way people are approaching lockdown at the moment. Um, now, lockdown has... I read a tweet the other day where someone said, hold on, I've just been asked by my therapist. No, it was not therapy. It was in an interview. Did you use lockdown to start a passion project or a new business? Uh, and everyone was horrified at this comment. And actually, you know, I think it's a bit weird because a lot of people have done that. And um, I'm not saying it should have been a prerequisite because a lot of people really struggled over lockdown and probably the last thing on their mind was starting something new. But um, plenty of people have, and that's to be commended. And we're lucky to be joined by Ellie and Tegan uh, from WC Equine, who, whether by design or accident, um, did set up their business during uh, lockdown and um, based in Newmarket. And we're going to let them explain what they do. But just before you explain what you do, Ellie and Tegan, uh, just kind of put a finger on the timings. Why, why 2020 summer? Uh, and, and was it something you've been thinking of for a while? It was all an accident. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unfortunately, due to uh, COVID, um, Robert, who I actually work with um, for, um, had a reduced number of horses, uh, which meant that he had 15 boxes available for somebody to rent. And uh, that somebody ended up being us. I kind of took a leap and an opportunity and, and here we are. So it was a saving grace, really. That's okay, Robert so, Powell, isn't it? Yes, yes. Okay, so just um, just tell us about your backgrounds and how you got into racing, just before we kick off with all the kind of finer detail. Uh, by default, really. Um, I had a friend in racing when I was 14, 15 years old, and my mum kind of said, if you're not going to behave at school, you're going to need a job. So uh, a job I got and landed at Mark Dwyer's, who's um, a consigner, freezer consigner, pin hooker, and I got the bug and I've never looked back. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that um, grabs hold of you and uh, there's so much going on with the industry that um, definitely keeps you interested, I think. I, I came over to England originally to work in polo and I did a good, a good few years doing that and um, just so stumbled across uh, Robin's farm which at the time, uh, Sheikh Fahad 
had purchased and um, a young trainer by the name of Ollie Stevens had uh, been assigned to train out of there. And I sort of just rung him up on a whim and he offered me a position uh, with his team and um, not having any experience. So it was, it was really good of him to do that. And yeah, same thing, Got just got the bug. And But the passion for horses has always been there. I think from a young child, was fortunate enough that my run is in ride so the passion for horses it's just you know the, the love of the game came after 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 falling into or falling into the industry okay becky i'm gonna let you uh just take over and um kind of get into the detail of what the business actually is yeah so first of all i'd like to ask how you two both met Um, yeah, we met uh, we met at um, October Yearling Sales at Tattersalls uh, four years ago. Yeah, um, just we were both working, and uh, it's always um, it's a great time of year. You know, sort of all the, the best uh, protege are, are coming through the rings, and uh, there's a great a uh, atmosphere. And you know, we had a few drinks. And there's a lot of drink involved. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, pub time, and. Um, so yeah, we just uh, got chatting and uh, kept in contact and uh, eventually Ellie moved down to Newmarket and um, yeah, we sort of, that's, we just continued from there really. And what made you both decide to go into business together sort of at that time? Um, it's always been a passion and desire of mine to, to have my own, you know, we work with these animals every single day and for, for, for other people. And you kind of see, you see the, what, the reward that they get out of it. And there's no reason, there's no limit in this industry and a reason why we, we couldn't have done it. So we, kind of, we both spoke about it and obviously this opportunity arose and we, we took the jump, the leap. Yeah, I think with them, you know, meeting, you know, meeting Ellie, um, She's an exceptionally good horsewoman uh, and a phenomenal rider. Um, so, you know, we both had the idea that we wanted to to have a business and, and do it on our own. And it was just, I think, with meeting each other, we, we found confidence that we could move forward with that plan because um, it's, it's difficult to do it on your own. And, uh, yes. And we, and we both have very different opinions on things. And yeah. We have to agree to disagree, but... It, it, it comes together and that's what makes it well it makes it work yeah and can you explain also to some of our listeners some of which aren't you know, strictly racing people um what exactly you both do at wc equine yeah i mean would you like the day-to-day -day kind of regime or, or, or well, basically what, what we do is, um, so we, we break in and pre-train and we consign breeze-ups on the side. So young horses um, will go through the sales or, or sort of our, our homebred um, and then they They're basically want to start their racing career um, as a two-year-old, but we, they'll come to us and we'll sort of give them the education, get them, we say breaking in, it's not really... You know, we're not breaking anything as such, but, um, you know, we're educating them to take a saddle and a bridle and, and a rider on board in, in the most um, positive and 
relaxed environment um, in order for them to then enter into a training yard where they can sort of be trained and um, embark on their racing career. Uh, so we're just the very sort of first steps of their education. And um, I'm not always relaxed getting on the first time. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, with the breeze ups, uh, it's basically same sort of process, um, find sort of young, uh, yearlings and uh, sort of getting them ready and prepped. And uh, they go to sale a bit later on in the year where, <coughs> sorry, where they, um, you know, then they can be purchased to almost run immediately. Um, so they will be fitter. Uh, the education process will be a lot further along. So they'll be, we will teach them how to go through the stalls, how to uh, do fast work um, in, in company, all those sort of extra bits of education that they would learn in a training yard, but we would, we would take that further ourselves and then they will basically be sold and um, ready, to run. ready to run. I'm glad you described what breaking in actually is. <laughs> I've always been like, why do they call it breaking in? Because it doesn't have like the best sort of connotations attached to it. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I think it's a very old fashioned uh, uh, way of saying it. And we kind of probably need to find a new terminology for it. But um, <laughs> we're very much, uh, you know, we try, it's, it's, you know, they're so young and they, they are very influential and they definitely put a lot of, lot of trust into the, into us um, as horses as a whole though, isn't it? yeah and uh, you know we try and give them the best possible experience um, and giving them a lot of confidence so that they are they have a good base because racing is a very intense training uh, uh, training program and and then going going to the races and there's a lot for them to take in so is, if we can give them the best possible start uh, it just allows them to then hopefully go on to be uh, or handle the whole pro the whole uh, experience a lot better. Did you both always know that you wanted to work with young stock? Yes, uh, for me, yes. I've always um, kind of thrived off of educating a horse and, and putting what I know and teaching them to go on, like Tegan says, to go on into the training yards and seeing them progress onto the track um even even horses that come in uh, that maybe aren't handling their training as as well and you see that the difference and within even a week they kind of like let themselves down and, and relax and it's just nice to see it's nice to be able to give them that opportunity and then better and then go into the yards you think that you have to be a specific sort of person and be very brave to work sort of in that side of the industry that you two work in? No, I think you can, you can, yes, to a certain degree, but no, I think you can, I think if you're confident with the animal, you know, that, that's half the battle. Um, I think it definitely takes. Um, there's definitely a different. There's definitely a different side uh, to dealing with it with a younger horse. Um, you know, you. It's not patience. Is huge yeah, thing. it's patience and um, understanding of the animal. I think you have to have a little bit more. There's definitely. Yeah, I think I do think that it's a, a specialized side of the industry. Um, you know. You can also learn the trade. You can learn. You, know, yeah. you can come yeah. in and, and, and learn. There's no reason that you can't, you know, start start from the bottom and, and learn the trade. That you, 
Yeah. Yeah, we both have as well. How, how much, um, sorry, just to butt in, but how much as, a, as an animal people thing is, is the human confidence level uh, a factor in affecting the kind of malleability and trainability of the horse? Because we, you know, for most of us listening who don't know anything about training or riding horses, the one thing you kind of know about puppies and stuff is when you're super confident, they kind of look up to you, then you're a reference point for them. Whereas if you're, you know, a bit laid back and you let them kind of walk all over you, they won't take instruction as well because there's no, there's no kind of rhyme or reason to it. Is that very similar when you're training a young horse? I think it's exactly, exactly the same. Um, I think, you know, they've got massive personalities and there's some that will try and take a chance and there's some that won't. And I think you definitely have to set some quite firm uh, ground rules. And also, I think when you're riding them as well and handling them on the ground, if, if you're confident uh, and not nervous around them, then they will be a lot more relaxed. Um, you know, you often see horses, you know, especially in racing, they, they're extremely fit and they are fed on very high sort of protein diets. So there's a lot of energy and they do get really buzzy. And um, if you can be relaxed and give them a bit of comfort and confidence, you know, and we, we're asking them to do stuff that's um, sort of sometimes out of their comfort zone. Um, whether that be to walk over a puddle or um, there's a plastic bag that flies by, if, if you can stay calm and, and give that horse confidence, because they definitely look to you um, for that reassurance, um, then it does make a huge, a huge difference. And if you allow them to take the opportunity, they, some of them will very much do that. When you just mentioned sort of um, handling them with, you know, for example, a plastic bag flying past, is that something that you do? You sort of desensitize the horses to various different that might sort of spook them? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, obviously, when when you when we're full, it's it's very hard to to desensitize them in, you know, each each individually. You will come across things that the other day there was a, a ladder at someone's garden, and there's a, there's a guy on a ladder you know, you either can go around the situation or you face the situation. We faced the situation, they were okay. Uh, they all got up, they all walked past. Not, you know, none of them were particularly scared. Um, but you, like Tegan just said, you, you have to be confident and you have, you have to kind of make the decision before there is, there is a, yeah, and I mean, there is like part of the pro sort of when, when you're getting them sort of saddled, putting the saddle on them and stuff, you'll, you'll do a lot of jumping around them and sort of patting and, and, and like making the noise. Yeah, making noises around them. So in that, to that degree, there is that uh, desensitizing that we would do. Um, and some people do use uh, sort of a plastic bag on an end of a, 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 a sort of a fishing line and um, you know get them used to that but i think just generally what we're asking them to do in the, the environment that we have here there's quite a lot going on during the mornings because we share the property with robert so you know his team's busy working and we're busy working and there's feed deliveries and there's a muck trailer driving up and down and the tractor's carrying the gallop so they do see a lot that they have to get used to um it, it just in general day-to-day -day stuff and you know then occasionally sort of with our breeze up horses we'll we'll put them on the two box and, and, and drive them into new market and gallop them on a different gallop so all that is part of the learning process and part of getting them 
sort of really aware of what's going on and relaxed about everything. Um, so you mentioned, yeah, you share a yard with Robert Cowell. Is it? It's called Bottisham. Uh, Bottisham Heath Stud. Yeah. Yeah. What are what are the facilities like there? They're top class, really. I mean, we have um, there's a seven and a half furlong uh, polytrack gallop. We use um, these fields behind the property to to trot the horses that we have, and, and I think there's what there's two hundred two hundred acres it's just short just short of yeah. two hundred acres, and uh, you know it's it's a beautiful property property with loads of uh, paddock turnout. I think um, Chevely Park stud use a lot of his land for. Um, turning out uh, horses and uh, well so, I mean there's pen turn out there's there's stalls um, that we have ex access to um, no it's, it's a great facility and it's 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 quiet as well um, yeah and it's sort of 10 like I said 10 minutes from town so it really suits um, a few of our clients you know it's easy mm -hmm. to run them in and out of their yards if they need you know sort of a week or two weeks break from the hustle and bustle of new markets um, you know they can come and let themselves down here and then go back into town and it's you know it's it's a, it's a great place to be and um, it's a, a bit of a vacation yeah <laughs> and it's it's lovely and quiet and uh, we find the horses do really well here they really do relax and um, you know it's yeah we couldn't we're very fortunate uh, to be our first start to be here really sounds great i'd like to go on holiday there <laughs> Um, so let's talk a bit about um, your day-to-day. -day. What does a typical day look like for you both? Um, wake up, uh, get here. I mean, you, Tegan starts the day at the yard. Um, I still ride out two lots for Robert. So Tegan will come in, feed the horses, check the legs, make sure they're all okay, um, and then start the mucking out. The mucking out begins. Yeah. Um, I usually ride two, come over, meet you in in the middle tegan by that point is usually pulling her hair out <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. Um, so we we basically we we sort of have a, a, a reverse program to what many other sort of um, so normally you would train your horses in the morning but like i say we share the property with robert so he he kicks on in the morning with training his horses so it allows us some time to muck out and get everything sorted and then we have a bit of lunch, the horses have lunch, we have a bit of lunch, and then, um, yeah, and then we keep on uh, riding riding through the afternoon, and then we finish up about half two, three yeah, o'clock. In the summer now, we're a bit quieter, so yeah, finish about half two, and then in the winter, we can push right through to four o'clock, half past four, and then it's literally what we call evening stables. We just basically start again, skip out water, hay, <laughs> check legs, uh, do any sort of medicals that we need to do and, and, and feed up and, um, and and go home. And then it's um, shower and bed. Yeah, straight away. <laughs> Early nights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you each take on sort of different roles within the business and that's including with the horses and the sort of more, you know, emails and all of, you know, the nitty gritty or do you kind of share the role and do most things together? Um, I do a lot of the paperwork. Um, Tegan takes on the role of, of sort of ch checking legs and 
So <laughs> yeah, Ellie, um, <laughs> Ellie literally has started this business from scratch. I have not a clue what really goes on. And I think it's unbeknown to most people, you know, Ellie's a, a fair bit younger than me. And I think they think that I'm the one that gets on with it, but I actually, Ellie manages all the accounts and all that side of things. All the money's in mind, don't worry. Yeah, and then I think, you know, when it comes, we both ride, we both love riding, um, and it's a big plus of the job is to be able to ride. Um, like I said earlier, Ellie's definitely a stronger rider, so she do, we ride the same amount of horses, but when it comes to braking time, she would be, the first one to be getting on them and um you know we sort of do all the groundwork together um and then we sort of the clients we sort of we brought uh sort of have contacts with different clients so we manage uh the clients together but you know ellie might handle one more than me and and vice versa um that sort of leads on to my next question how much has your previous jobs helped you to go out on your own like did you build quite a good network of now clients definitely um i mean our, our biggest success so far has, has obviously been the breeze ups and we were fortunate to work for brendan moran and jeff who had faith in us and sent us two horses um in November, which which turned out to be, like I said, our biggest success so far. And you know, working with them at the sales is is is, is put us in great stead. I think, yeah, for the future as well. Yeah, and I think definitely with past employers as well. Um, just both. I think we've both always been quite hard working, and um, well, it's crucial not to burn your bridges. Obviously, yeah. you, you know, you work so hard, and and it's always good to. To stay in contact and have that contact yeah and uh, you know so it's sort of newmarket is um it's a great place to network and, and there's a lot of people and also we find it now sort of as we're venturing out on our sort of own thing a lot of our friends around our age are doing the same and we sort of fall back on each other for a bit of help and support and um, so it's no it's definitely massive massive part of it is um being our past and and how we've come through like that. I don't know too much about the sort of pre-training and breaking side of things. But what's the sort of competition like in, let's just say, in Newmarket? How many other sort of training services are out there? Yeah, it's um, it's it's massive. I mean, it's quite competitive, I would say. Um, there's a huge demand for it. Uh, you know, in the past. You know, a lot of these guys would break their own horses in because the winter racing for flat horses was sort of non-existent. But now it's with the all-weather championships, it's, you know, the yards are full and the horses are running. So there's not as much time to spend breaking in. And so I think the demand has definitely increased. Um, but, but equally, uh, you know, we're, I, I hate, I kind of hate the word, uh, you know, we're not, we're not, competing yeah we're not because it, we're doing what we love and and at the number that we have you know we'd be silly to be competing with someone like i don't know morgan evans with 130 boxes sure and i know. think um i say it's competitive but you know i think all of us i mean i can't speak for the rest of the guys but i think we all offer slightly different services 
Um, you know, we all have different facilities, um, different ways of doing things. Uh, some some horses do well with us, some might, so they, you know, you, you just, I think it's, you know, we might get on better with some clients. It's, it's, it's just, it's very individual, I would say, but they are, there are a few very successful uh, free trainers in the area. And it was, it was daunting to sort of put ourselves out there and, and try and, and get some business because, well, yeah, yeah there's we, we actually emailed them, um, I think it was a 1993, um, whether it would be trainers, uh, bloodstock agents, um, owners, and we had three responses within the, the first two months and, and no horses. No horses. So, um, so the, the first few months were, were definitely daunting. And, yeah. uh, it kept us humble anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you think um, maybe COVID sort of had an impact on that or do you think it would be the same sort of for anyone going out on their own? Like you need to sort of build up a profile and gain sort of someone's trust before they'd be willing to send you horses. I think exactly that. I, I don't necessarily think COVID had much to do with it um, because like we've said, the, you know, the, the demand's so high. I think if you've gained trust and, and it's, it's having a product, you need a product for somebody to see. And with us not having that product uh, to send out into, into the yards, it's not like we've, you know, we've invented something and people can see it visually. Um, so it was, it was hard at first. And yeah, and I think luckily the racing industry in general, although we did stop racing during the first lockdown, um, which was a massive hit, I think for it was it was hard, I think, but we all still had to go to work because we were dealing with livestock. So they don't feed you themselves. know, it, there was a sense of uncertainty at one point. But then when the sales came around, people were still, you know, owners were still keeping their horses in training and people were still buying horses. So we did have hope, hope that, you know, as long as they're still buying horses and keeping horses in training, there's no reason why we shouldn't, um, have, you know, have some, some kind of a business that would be, be able to start. Yeah. It was a risk. It was a huge risk. Yeah. And, and there was, you know, there's no denying that we were, we were definitely out of our depth and out of our comfort zone. So it's, we're just fortunate that it's kind of paid off. Well, no, um, no exciting and new venture starts the easy way. And um, I can tell you that from, from hard earned experience over the last three and a half years. Um, I, think, I think Peggy was gonna try and come to what the future holds, but just before the sort of future for WC Equine, um, what do you see as the future of, of this side of training or pre-training racehorses? I mean, you mentioned that there's lots of people that do it. And you also mentioned that, it, you know, the name breaking in probably comes from when we had to break horses, wild horses spirits and turn them into um, working animals. But where do you think the future lies? Uh, is there something that you guys have seen or looked into that you think you'd like to try that others don't? Um, is there technology that might help support uh, this sort of stuff. Where do you think the future is for this side of, uh, of, of equine training? I think there's always going to be, um, you, you're always going to have to find somebody and a way to, to first get on a horse's back. And it's not necessarily 
always the prettiest of things, but it has to be done. And it's it's as long as it's done in a you know a humane and, and sensible environment where no you know the horse or, or human isn't getting hurt, you try and do it in the most positive manner. Yeah. I also think that um, you know, pre-trainers definitely don't get um as much recognition uh as they as they should because it is quite a uh, it's a quite a dangerous uh part of the part of the job and you know there's there's a the racing industry there's there's so much support for the stable staff and and the lads you know racing welfare and um you know all these sort of things like that and um i, I guess it's you know you sort of you can break in some really lovely horses that have won derbies and won you know royal ascots and and sort of guineas and things like that and Yes, I know it's a very small start of their career, but there's still there's still a team that come wake up every morning. They also ride out in all the bad weather, the good weather, you know, set, sometimes seven days a week, and you know, putting in the hours. And I, I feel like maybe in the future that there could be, maybe it's something that could start up that would help look after the staff for pre-training or involve them more maybe yeah. within the industry in, in that way. Because it is a huge part of the industry. It's a huge part of the industry. And I think, um, I, I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit harsh by saying that, you know, these guys don't get enough recognition. Um, I'm certainly not looking for it for myself right now. I mean, we were a bit early on, but I know that there are, you know, there's some big guys out there that have played a massive part in some of these horses' careers. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe in the future, hopefully. You're going to start getting hit now. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I completely agree. That's something that at the Racing League, we definitely want to sort of shine a light on sort of how you get a horse from sort of a foal, how it progresses to then on the racetrack. Because um, it's something that sort of a casual viewer won't know much about. Um, and also, am I right in saying um, for this year's derby that it was Adam Kirby at Vicarage Farm that broke in? Yeah. 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 And I just think that if, it wasn't, you know, the jockey that had done it. It probably wouldn't wouldn't have been mentioned on ITV. It probably not. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, what a fantastic job, and and race that was. Yeah, and I mean, you know, um, I know we don't. I don't know Adam personally, but we obviously social media is such a big uh, sort of platform for 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 everybody at the you know these days, and he's got a, a great uh, sort of Instagram and uh, Twitter. And it's great for him to sort of, he's able, if you've seen it the last few days, you know, having pictures of him riding uh, at the derby and, and- But he deserves it. I mean, how long has he been in the industry? How long yeah, how hard also, he It's promoting that, you know, he has that pre-training business yeah. that's successful and he's a successful jockey and he's mm -hmm. just won the derby. So no, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, I was so happy for him. And it was a great story as well, the fact that he sort of broke in yeah. the horse. Um, one other question I want to ask you, obviously you've both got a wealth of experience within the industry. Who would you say has been the most influential person in your career? Oh, um, probably Jean Clement, who actually taught me how to ride. Um, she's nothing to do with racing. She, uh, she had a small holding back arm 
with um, hunters and eventers, and she was the meanest of them all, but she taught me everything I know. And uh, she'd probably hate me for saying that too, but <laughs> yeah, she, she was tough, but um, she loved her horses and she taught me patience, passion, and, and everything to do and what not to do. And if I fell off, she kicked me back up. <laughs> yeah, I had one of those instructors as well when I was very young. I think it goes either way. Either the child starts crying and refuses to go back or you just come with it and then you end up just, just learning through. so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, guys, um, let's, we've covered quite a lot and it's been really interesting, but I think it would be remiss of us to not uh, ask, what do you think you're sort of, hopes and dreams are for this business um you know in, in in the medium and then to long term i mean everyone always asks this bullshit question like where do you see yourself in five years and all of that but I, not really in that aspect but is there a is there a plan to you know if everything went well to get your own yard and have your own place and that is is it that or do you think the collaboration and the closeness to to working with an existing or existing trainers plural is an important part of it. What what is the what's the big vision? Um, I think we're we're very happy with what we have at the moment. Um, we definitely do another another breaking season here. I do think there's going to come a time where Robert's going to kick us out, kick us out, and, <laughs> and, and force us to sort of not force in a good in a nicest way possible. But I think he's been so supportive and. You know, he's, he's just been absolutely amazing through this whole thing. And I, I think he would probably like us to, to grow and expand ourselves. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely what we want to do. Uh, when, when the time's right, we'd love to have our own property and our own facilities. Um, but I think we need sort of another, another year. A bit more top, stability. Yeah, a bit more stability before we make that jump. Um, and, you know, we do everything ourselves here, so it allows us to sort of control everything. Well, <laughs> it just allows us to uh, sort of save as much as we can, so that we can um, we can eventually have our own place. Um, and I think we look we're very well. I'm very much looking forward to next year's breeze up season. Um, we're hopefully going to have a few more um, few more horses. Um, so I think is if that can keep expanding, that's that's the dream. And um, I, you know, if we can keep doing well, we'll inevitably outgrow this place and and have to move on. Yeah. Well, well that's great. Times. Yeah, really exciting. And you know, uh, we're all we're all with you in that regard. We know what it's like to build something and and continue building. It's not easy. You just have to. Um, you know, keep taking the little victories and they all add up eventually. Um, what are your guys' plans for the for the summer outside of work? Are you likely to get some time off? Are you likely to try and escape the UK? What's the what's your short-term summer plans? Um, I mean, if I blink for long enough, I am escaping the UK. Um, <laughs> no, unfortunately not. No plane ticket out. Um, it is, like we said, just the two of us. And unfortunately, we are slightly on the side of being control freaks so it's um <laughs> it's our baby we're actually we're actually <laughs> taking our first sunday off this weekend in eight months yeah wow, wow. We, we haven't got um we've sort of got only a few horses in we're a little quiet so um a friend of us is very ours is very kindly offered to 
oversee Sunday Sunday yard duties, which is very relaxed and and so yeah. It's yeah. a big thing to take a step away, but yeah, it's it's a long. We need to have a sleep in. Yeah, <laughs> we're only sure. going twenty minutes away, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twenty minutes away, but we can have, we can at least hopefully not wake up to an alarm. <laughs> well, that sounds great. Um, look, we'd love to have you uh, as our guests at one of the racing league evenings. So we will uh, try and sort out an evening you can get off. Um, and uh, we'll be in touch about that. Um, thanks very much for the time. Appreciate that you are always busy. So it's nice to, for you guys to take some time out and talk to us. Um, uh, we will link to all of your social accounts and your website and everything in the show description. And hopefully if anyone listening has any questions about braking or pre-training, um, they can get in touch with you directly, obviously come through our social channels. Um, Rebecca, uh, I expect, well, I was gonna say I'll see you next week, but we don't really see each other apart from through the screen. Yeah. Although actually we did, we did, we did have a, a, a meeting in London the other day, didn't we? We had a lunch. Very exciting. Yeah, it was, we had a real lunch. So actually maybe we can start doing those things again. Um, right, thanks very much guys. And uh, we will speak to you all next time. See you later, Becky. Bye. Okay. Bye everyone. Bye bye. bye, -bye.